<laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. That's not stop. Working <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> the red circle. The red circle. Are we ready? We're good. We're going. So let's yeah. do it. Why the not? recording's been We're so good. long. It's been so long. Hi, everybody. It's like riding a bike. I'm Alex. Yes, it is. I'm <laughs> Alex Loving Good. And this is the Vorloff Hour. Thank you for joining us after a small hiatus of the summer and busyness and uh, semi-post-COVID world where it kind of sort of got back to normal there for a minute. Now it's going back the other way. I don't know. Welcome back to the Vorloff. (laughs) We're in the fifth wave. We're in the fifth wave. That's a good good name. That's what this episode is going to be titled. The fifth wave. (laughs) Our third episode. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Vorloff Hour. I'm Alex Lovingood. Joined, as always, with Pete Rose Holmgren. (laughs) <laughs> and James Hackathorn. James Pete, how are you? Good. Great. Happy to be back. Yes. The seats are long. a little rusty in the seats here. It's uh Yeah. I was very anxious before we got here. I didn't want to tell you. I was like, we're just gonna do it. I was gonna text you guys this morning. We're recording tonight. But I didn't do that. I let you know a few days. I would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> I pounded a beer at the tap room, so now I'm feeling good. Pete is always ready, so Yeah. We're down here on uh I don't know. Is this, would this be considered the, this isn't the south side of the Boyne, but the south side of the city. It is. South side. South yeah. side. We're south of the river, right? Yeah. yeah. Down at uh, Confluence Brewing yeah, Company yeah. Uh, here in wonderful Des Moines. We have uh, production manager, uh, John. Oh my God. I'm having a brain fart on the, the last name. Here, John. Max. 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 <laughs> there it is. Josh, thank you for joining us. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so John Martin, the owner and founder, will be joining us here shortly. Uh, but until then, Josh, just kind of take us on a journey of your brewing career and how you ended up at Confluence. Sure, yeah. Uh, so uh, unlike a lot of brewers, I did not start as a home brewer. I uh, fooled around with uh, a, a friend or two that did, you know, uh, a, a batch here or there at their place. But uh not anything on my own. Uh, I was mostly just uh, one of those uh, hype-chasing, uh, beer-loving nerds uh, trying to get all the three Floyds that I could in uh, the time period that I was living uh, in Chicago and uh, going to Fobab and getting geeked out by that stuff. And I uh, sort of just developed a passion for craft beer as a consumer and then um, ended up graduating from Iowa Uh Thought I was going to maybe go into a career in education, but it was the year that Brandstack cut, I think, 100 jobs out of the Department of Education. So instead, I went back to bartending, which I had done for a long time, um, and uh, uh, bartended at the uh, Red Monk here in town uh, due to my love for craft beer and uh, uh, Belgian beer in particular. Nice. and uh, did that for a little while, and then an opportunity uh, opened up at Flix Brewhouse that was opening uh, uh, here, and a friend of a friend knew uh, Mike Gautier, who was going to be the head brewer there. So they knew that I loved it, that I kind of wanted to maybe try dipping my toes into into brewing, and uh, he was looking for an assistant brewer, and uh, he, uh, he ended up hiring me. So I was there for a year, and I'd always loved Confluence. 
uh, ever since it opened. I remember coming back from Chicago and being kind of concerned about the ability to drink good beer in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I happened to be uh, right as Confluence was opening that I moved back. So I came down here and I remember drinking Des Moines IPA and thinking to myself, okay, somebody here knows how to make beer. So um, uh, I, while working at Flix Brewhouse, I just kind of uh, had the mindset that I wanted to learn as much as I could there. But it really is a small brewery. It's mostly a one-person show plus some part-time help for the most part. Um, so I knew if I wanted to take it anywhere else, I was going to have to leave eventually and, uh, ended up bothering John, uh, for a job and, uh, he gave me a chance and I've been here for six years now. So just kind of worked up from the seller to production manager. So wonderful. So what, what, what year was that you started over at Flix? Oh, is that uh, the one over here in West Des Moines? It is the one here in, in, uh, <clears throat> at, uh, the Merle Hay mall. Uh, and, uh, that was in... Yeah, what year was that? So seven years ago, right? So, uh, 2013, 2014. 14, yeah. 13, 14, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And you might, might uh, you heard some rustling there. John Martin is joining us now. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for hosting and, and, and coming in. And uh, you were uh, out making some deliveries, it seemed uh, like. Sales today. calls. So there you go. Yeah. Davenport, we opened that market during the pandemic and kind of had a little bit of a lag in sales personnel here where yeah uh, weren't able to cover it for a while so yeah i'm not like the salesy guy but <laughs> i get out there i can do it you were at the beginning though i was out yeah. the back of the suburban yep <laughs> <laughs> i did what it took so yeah that was tough in the beginning i mean i feel like davenport is kind of like the beginning <laughs> not quite not quite only because you know our many Demo- uh, Davenport listeners are gonna really resent that comment from no <laughs> let me clarify I feel like we have a lot of opportunities over there um, we get a lot of love from a couple areas and they know us and they buy the beer and it's awesome but I think you know we just haven't been over there on draft mainly yeah. and, and you're also able to hit like two states there because it's uh, right there in the quad yeah, the city crossover. So, yeah definitely That's awesome good. Well, before we get on to the Confluence background, I got some follow-up questions for Josh because that's a very similar Chicago-based person, Chicago-based person. Uh, I, too, I never homebrewed a batch of beer in my life. I was the same way. I was just a beer fan, and uh, I was a hype chaser at the beginning, and Dark Lord was really was really it for me, even though every time I opened up a Dark Lord, it was just fucking god-awful. I was like... <laughs> Why do I keep trying to find this? <laughs> it's, and uh, burning bridges. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, then I you know, just kind of got lucky, and uh, it worked out well. So congratulations for you know climbing that ladder. Yeah, so it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Yes. All right, John, we're going to turn the tables to you now. Yes, sir. Are you ready? I'm ready. So Confluence opened in 2012. That's right. And this is the original location we're setting in down on uh, what's uh, Thomas Thomas Beck. Beck Road. Yeah, extension of Bell Avenue. Yeah, and uh, but I, so I see some things out there where it, you know it's, it says you joined the company and founded it in 2012, but uh, your wife Katie joined in 1995. So <laughs> right, that's uh, she was Team Martin. Okay, yes, you know we got married in '95, and that's when I started home brewing, and so. You know, she supported the dream from the early stages. Yeah, back in the '90s when I was getting out of college and um, had tried to homebrew 
when I was a senior in high school. I don't know if any of you have heard this funny story, but basically my buddy and I were trying to figure out how to homebrew. We had no idea. You know, we just, we just knew malt. We needed malt. Hops had no clue what those were. And all we could find was bread yeast. So we, <laughs> we talked to it. It had to have been Fleshman's, right? Yeah, yeah I think it was. Hopefully. Exactly. That's <laughs> all we could find. So uh, long story, but we, we got some malt um, through the father of one of our classmates. He was extra touch in Shenandoah and they did um, all kinds of food stuff, you know, like extra touch vanilla extract and things like that. So we sat down and said, hey, Mr. Maxine, you know, we're trying to do this science project and we need some malt and I don't know if he saw through that or not but you know he came through with like a pound of malt and we had no idea how much to use so <laughs> I remember making a batch in um, one of our friends she was she lived in Shenandoah and we couldn't use Sean's house I lived on the farm and so they had a kitchen in their basement and she said we could come over and make a batch of beer in her basement and so that was the same day it was 1991 when uh, the first the first Saudi Arabia war took place. What was it? Oh, desert Storm or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, Desert Storm started that day, as far as I know. It was in January. So anyway, that was the start of, of home brewing. And, um, you know, Sean, he lived in, in town and we had eighth hour or seventh hour free as seniors. So he would go home. And I, I remember a couple of times he drank like a two liter of this and he came back. Oh. We had PE, eighth hour. And he said, oh my gosh, John, I like, there's no alcohol, but I am so bloated. <laughs> so we basically made carbonated water. We didn't have enough malt mm -hmm. in it. And then, you know, fast forward to me graduating in 95 and uh, figured out what the internet was, started looking up beer, found some newspapers and magazines and was like, all right, this is, I know what hops are now. I can, you know, so found a homebrew supply shop and, and started making beer and, uh, for me, part of the fun is building the equipment. So I started with extract and quickly moved into all grain and uh, used like these, you know, I don't know, five gallon strawberry containers, plastic, and found some copper and made a false bottom. <laughs> Dang. All these little things, you know, and then like, this isn't going to work. So <laughs> got got to look at the keggles things and found a couple of kegs and uh, just started piecing it together and moved to Des Moines in 01. And that's when I kind of commissioned this 10 gallon system and brewed on that for, I don't know, over 10 years. Wow. And, uh, did a lot of all grain stuff, tried decoction a few times, um, got into loggers, had temperature controlled fridges and stuff like that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, kind of just tried to hone my process along the way. And I remember is it was probably like Oh seven, uh, Jeff Bruning, you know, who was kind of the, the beer god at the time and still is, came to our homebrew club meeting and he said, I'd like to start this thing where I'm going to call it Jimmy Carter Happy Hour. Mm. And I want a different homebrewer to come in each week and show off their beer. And I was like, this is awesome because that's, that's what I need to get feedback to mm -hmm. see if I can open a brewery someday. Because I had this dream <laughs> from visiting brew pubs, you know, and before 95 and uh, seeing all the equipment and like, that just seems so cool. And then, you know, got married right out of college and like, I can't afford, you know, a brewer's wage. I've got a, a new family. It's just out of my league. So I was doing carpentry, which probably paid the same, but <laughs> <laughs> I also did brew as a professional brewer. So, uh, just kept working on that thing called home brewing and getting feedback 
and uh, kind of worked out because we I was at the Jimmy Carter happy hour many times, and toward the end it was like, how many beers can I bring? And I'd, I'd try to bring like five beers, and so there was Des Moines IPA used to be called Hophead Extreme, and Farmer John's was Farmer John's. Um, I think we made something like Thomas Beck with homegrown hops. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you should bring Hophead Madness Bear. What was it called? Uh, Hophead Extreme, Hop right? Extreme. 10th <laughs> anniversary coming yeah. up next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we joked about making that. You heard beer. it first here. Yeah. So uh, very similar to Des Moines IPA minus a couple of the hops that are in Des Moines. So no Simcoe at the time. Yeah. And uh, like no, they just didn't no have it. it. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what it was. I think <laughs> it might have existed, but who knows? Oh, wow, look at that. I think there's a lot of breweries in Iowa, actually, that might steal Hop at Extreme. So we should have <laughs> uh, kept that one close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we'll just put a beep over it every time. You yeah. Say it. yeah. Right. And then on the 10th anniversary, we'll. Well, at least the full unedited. The reason we didn't use it was because someone was already using it. Oh, damn it. And so, and plus, you put Extreme on anything and and you just get beat down, right? It's like, yeah. that's not extreme. Come on, give me some more. <laughs> but then no one will drink it. But know, speaking like, of extreme, are we, is this? Yeah, this is Is this of, an extreme beer? Yes, this is an extreme beer. Coming around. Oh, man. I'm excited. So Thank we, you, John. This, saw, this uh, smells extreme. Uh, Ashley posted a picture of this yeah. earlier today. And uh, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, maybe we can get our hands on some of this tonight. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Take us down this road on, on, on what's this beer. So, okay. I guess, I guess, hold on. Before we get too far, you've been open nine years now. So, 2012, you opened the doors. Yeah. Um, Damn. What was like the, you know, obviously you had the idea, you had the thought process, but what was like, was there a turning moment in your life that was like, okay, I'm going to do this and it got real? And like, what, what was that process? And then how did you decide on, yeah. A, the name? Did the name come from the location being where you are and all that stuff? Okay. So, so yeah, that that's a great question because, um, you know, the fact that I wanted to open a brewery for a long time was one thing. Um, having the dream, all that's good. But, uh, you know, really didn't think I'd be able to do it. It was just one of those things like it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of things to pull this together. And I've got a big family that I have to support. I have a good job. So, um I used to talk about it. My kids knew about it. They would draw pictures. They would ask, say, and I'm going to get emotional, but they would say, dad, what, what percentage are we going to do the brewery? I'm like, oh, way less than 50, you know? And I remember there was a time like in 09 coming around to 10 and it was like maybe a little above 50, you know, yeah. like we're heading that direction. And then I think it was sometime late 2010, um, at work, I was just, I was kind of frustrated, you know, it, it's like working all the time. I had a great job, but kind of stressful, you know, building hospitals and things like that. Just being a project manager, there was uh, a lot of work to do and kind of like important that it got done on time and all those things. So um, not that I wanted to escape that, but I think the time had come to like decide what do I want to do? And, um, you know, I had really never played around the stock market, but funny story, you know, like we, some, somewhere along the line, like in 2008, uh, Wells Fargo said, Hey, you know, you qualify for this, uh, like special bank account or something. And I was like, Oh, good. You know, and they, they make you put a thousand dollars in your Wells trade account. And I'm like, Oh, I, maybe I should look at that, you know, cause I had it for like six months and did nothing. And 
then the stock market in 08 was started turning down and it's like like looking at general growth and you know great company like um they do um what is it malls and all that kind of stuff all across the country and they were having trouble reorganizing their debt because usually you know they would just have these short-term loans and they would do another loan you know just re refinance whatever you call it and they were having trouble doing that and so they were going through like a reorganization or getting debt to pay debt yeah and so they're like 42 dollar 52 week high was now like 50 cents you know it's like okay so i bought some of that and that wasn't like all i needed to do the brewery but over a couple years span you know there was like this nest egg of this is seed money like yeah this so i sit on it and do nothing and retire in good shape you know and like good job and everything or do i take this and do what i want to do and uh that's what i did i didn't want to sit around and uh you know i tell my wife like i don't want to be 65 and say i wish i would have done that brewery thing so i mean that's that's like the 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 american dream that you, you just did there it's <laughs> yeah. like you, you you did your time you you, you had the career and then you know yeah you said all right i'm gonna do it now and are you do you uh let's just sidebar stock yeah. market are you uh you into the dogecoin at all i, I did pretty good with no. dogecoin <laughs> i i sold though i didn't the stocks didn't hit the moon and i was a little upset but i got out when i got out yeah hey, gmc no. gme still yeah. got, still yeah. got time baby now since yeah. 2012 i've traded very little yeah try to get on that shiba coin right now possibly <laughs> okay <laughs> That My brothers tried to get me onto sailed. Bitcoin like five years ago, and it, I would have been a genius if I, I had. Oh, listened, five years ago? Yeah. Damn, you could have opened Confluence 2 and I, 3 on yeah. that. <laughs> could have built another river. <laughs> <laughs> to lead the raccoon in Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been called the Confluence River. At that yeah, point. Right. Yeah. right. Oh, my God. You could have been, so you could have been an island. You could have yeah. like a boat in the front. Um, so what, what, how'd this location come about? I mean, so it was you and, um, Ken Broadhead, Ken, Ken Broadhead, so you yeah. had a, a partner at so beginning. Ken Ken. a little, little <laughs> credit here with, like, we talked about the brewery stuff. I met him, he moved to Des Moines in 04 and like, I don't know if I just didn't have any friends or whatever, but time was limited. I, I wanted to go have a craft beer. So I'd go sit somewhere at say rock bottom or, or the Royal mile, whatever, and have a beer and. Sometimes I just didn't talk to anybody and sometimes we struck up a conversation and it just happened to be at rock bottom and Ken and I were chatting and he had just moved to town and said, Hey, what about a homebrew club? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you set up. And so we became friends. I shared my idea of like opening a brewery with him and he's like, ah, you're crazy. And, uh, so he read a couple books, you know, Sam Kelly owned had one and, um, I think Brooklyn Brewery's owner had one and came back and he's like, you know, you might be onto something. <laughs> and so we fostered that idea over beer for probably seven years. You know, it was a good excuse to go have a beer and talk about the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so anyway, why this location? Uh, we looked at like 20, 25 locations. We knew we wanted to be in Des Moines as close to downtown as possible. And that was, you know, kind of hard to achieve on a budget, right? So, um, a lot of places like this place was about twice as much square foot as was recommended for a microbrewery, um, which is about 5,000 square feet. So this was close to 11,000, but the price was about half what everybody else out there was asking around downtown and just north and um, just a lot of pluses of this place with the high ceilings. I mean, it's, it's a warehouse, so 
kind of the open footprint and do what you want. We had the bike path out back. And so, you know, I am always super thankful that we're in this place whenever, uh, not, this is not to disparage other breweries, uh, but like whenever I go to visit other breweries, it's often like cramped and closed, like in the cellar. And you, you should, you should go over to, uh, uh, Court Ave and unload grain with James. Oh, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen it down there. Mike showed me what it was all about. It's, Wait, uh, what do you mean? It's spacious. Yeah. <laughs> What it's, space? It's it's such a treat to work. It's such a treat to work with light and be able to move around. It's it's amazing. I, I get to I use appreciate the it. I get to use the wall to push myself into fermenters. <laughs> That's how close it is. Yeah, spacious. Yeah, I don't I don't envy you. <laughs> you know, I, I will say coming from a large brewery, Brickstone, in, in Illinois, to where I am. Um, I, I shake my head and hit my head on the wall a lot. Sometimes on purpose and sometimes not because there's no space. But uh, yeah, I well, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like at Lua, like the, the cellar the, is actually pretty spacious yeah, compared to like. Really. Oh, that, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's what I say. I'm like, yeah. I, I come there and I'm like, there's so much room here. Like, really? I'm like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And then I go in the cooler and then I hit my hands. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, when there's like a, a half an inch of space between the. the keg in the rack i'm like okay i'm gonna break my knuckles <laughs> it makes you feel alive yeah <laughs> i love it nothing like living on the edge right yeah so so you came to the space it was eleven thousand square feet when did production like the the large production start i mean did it start on a small scale or was it was the focus like we're going to be a production brewery we're going to package right away we're going to yeah so get we beer out. ran through the scenarios of small brewery several times we almost did one in the basement of fongs you can ask jeff burning about that wow it's going to be like a one barrel brewery and i really didn't want to do it but it's like this imagine the pizza that you could have had I, yeah, right right <laughs> because i would have been there all the time <laughs> and i still would have had my full-time job so um that was one of the things like I can't, I decided that I can't do this and have a full-time job. I have to, my full-time job needs to be the mm-hmm. So quit my job. And that was, that was scary. Like damn scary. <laughs> and I was working out of our third floor. Like our daughter shared the third floor as like a finished um, attic. And there was a table up there and that was my workspace for, from February one till about the end of May. And then through the summer too, but that's when we started construction was uh, around Memorial Day weekend of 12. And so that was good. Kind of get some of that angst out. Like if we finally got the lease signed, we finally got the loan. There was a bunch of work that we, we had to rework a bunch of stuff with like how to involve investors and investors from other states because there's like 32 investor groups, um, like family and friends, you know, husband, right, wife, yeah. whatever. So um <clears throat> just a ton of that. And so getting a lot of that behind us and doing some of the stuff I knew, which was construction and putting things together. And so that was exciting. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, production brewery off the get. That's, I, I mean, it's, uh, I think it works. I mean, and, and it's, it's like, so at temperance where I started in, uh, Evanston, Illinois was the same thing. It was, you know, it was a 20 barrel brew pub or production brewery. Yeah with you know distribution signed on canning line right away and volume right out the get yeah and then you know we did that for four months before our tap room opened oh okay so yeah. you know I, it's it's an interesting model especially nowadays where 
you know, you go, you, you look at the times right now and I talk about this all the time, but you know, we're at like 9,000 breweries in the nation. Mm-hmm. And then you look pre prohibition, there was like 4,500 breweries, which is a shitload of breweries for pre 19. What was that? 29, 1919 when yeah. prohibition started <clears throat> all context though. I mean, they were supplying local places. But that's, right? So yeah, that's where I'm going. It's, it's, they all, they were huge breweries that there were confluence of size supplying a neighborhood. Yeah. You know, supplying a like blocks and that was it. And, you know, you go see these buildings in Chicago mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and Dubuque town Dubuque, and you look at them and you're like, wait, this was one of four breweries in this town that has a hundred thousand people. Whoa. What, well, what were yeah. they doing? Like, and now you have 9,000 breweries in the nation and everyone's opening a brew pub or a small tap room. And they're just really powering in, trying to get that own premise, you know, like, yeah, get those uh, pint sales, get those can sales. And it's weird, too, because you see a lot of breweries, like, start with canning lines without distribution whatsoever, just so they can sell it at their tap room. And, yeah, that's like, it's not bonkers to me because it makes sense. It's another point of sale. But, yeah, you know, people are, and you're seeing it more here in Des Moines, too. You know, you got Lula and Sherman Hill kind of owning that area. Right. Um, For now. Neighborhood for now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't fingers, know if you guys knew this about Lou, but it's Sherman Hill's oldest craft brewery. Yeah. I, I really <laughs> I really historic Sherman Hill. Oh, yeah, put some respect on its name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have you have Port Ave downtown that's been running that downtown uh, area for twenty five years. Twenty five years. Happy twenty five year, by the way. That was a party. Yeah. Yeah. By the way. Yeah, I definitely remember half of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great party. Too much. Stuff. The twenty five years or the party. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the first <laughs> neither. The first twenty four years are kind of hazy. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> world's youngest brewer actually yeah. started at six years old. So you know, I got married in ninety five, and I remember we used to. My wife's from Lacrosse, so we'd drive through Des Moines, mm-hmm. and I remember stopping several times. You know, and either spaghetti works or cordav you know? mm-hmm. and spaghetti so, works has been here that long oh my oh, gosh yeah. every time i go to cordav i see that's fine i'm like how is you don't, don't get I, jealous you don't want to be like can no, i, I just don't understand spaghetti? it because it seems like a fazoli's and like i don't it, see how it, those are still it is a fazoli's <laughs> <laughs> i've honestly they never sell alcohol they do yes i you have to i did try to sell can or what I would like to draft beer there early. Draft, okay. yeah. I would like to go to Spaghetti Works sometime and I don't know what eat my have, eat my body in carbohydrates and uh, that should be that should be a maker and me podcast yeah, for sure. We'll <laughs> the Tim Wayne Spaghetti Works this Spaghetti Works retrospective. <laughs> I want to be on that. Oh, we, we're for sure. So you know, we we love hearing about the breweries, but you know, um, part of the Warless Hours, we had a little bit of a topic we wanted to discuss tonight and. When we were talking about breweries that do them well was, okay, it's fall time. September just happened. September 19th is uh, traditionally the start of Oktoberfest in Munich. Um, but we wanted to talk about fall beers and Oktoberfest beers. And yeah, um, when I first moved here, um, and this isn't, it, it, you guys, I can come here and get good traditional styles. Mm-hmm. And those are the breweries that I started at and worked at. And I'm still like, you know, two and a half years into the the crazy pastry hazy stuff. And I really enjoy that too. But there's something about getting a good clean IPA. And Des Moines IPA is fucking delicious. Uh, <laughs> double dry hop Des Moines IPA. We had it here the one day, John. And that beer blew my mind. And every time I saw it on tap for the next like six weeks, I was just Thank slamming you. it. 
But uh, yeah, we kind of wanted to talk about Oktoberfest, Marzen's Fest beer, fall beers. Um, what was, uh, was that just something that when you, when you started off in 2012, you're like, I, I would like to stick towards the traditional beers. I mean, cause obviously you're doing the, the, you know, the, the super hazy. I mean, this beer is yeah. what, 12 and a half percent. Something, something like, yeah, 12.1 12 is what we called it. But, yeah. You know, super hazy. Yeah. Super sessionable too. <laughs> um, but it, you know, the majority of, not majority, you guys have like 25 beers on tap, but are, it's like 36. <laughs> it's impressive. It's, it's, it's probably closer to 30 when you take out the, it's like you know, 48 ciders and the whatever. Right. You know, so it was like traditional styles, something that is always been like dear to your heart. I think so. I mean, I think, you know, rewind to the 1990s and that's sort of what I had available, what I read about. Um, there was no book on hazy IPAs back then. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was all about the traditional stuff. And I think also it was really nice to have like uh, Royal mile, you know, open up that was 2002. So we moved here in 01 and then this crazy place opens up that serves all these awesome, you know, traditional beers. So there's kind of a guide there and, uh, and then Hessen house opens up and, you know, I'd been, I think one of my first beers that I wanted to brew as a home brewer in 95 was Oktoberfest. And so it was one of those things that Sam Adams was probably making it. I don't know if I could find other examples, you know, where I lived, but, um, definitely fell in love with that. And just the, the romantic idea of beer being made a long time ago, you know, people plugging away, just, you know, making beer and, and lagering it in caves in wooden barrels lined yeah. pitch. I mean, that's so cool. So I'm, I'm on confluencebrewing.com. Shout out to that website. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read a little excerpt here. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's take us on a path here. John's wife, Katie, appreciated his passion and quickly became his brewing enabler. The newlywed couple. By the way, this is a gorgeous photo of you. Look at that like, beard. Look at that red beard. Oh my god. He didn't. He didn't want to use that for the website. <laughs> and I was like, we have to. I feel like he goes by Johnny in this photo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was me. Like you look like you're like slinging pizzas almost. Like I don't. I don't know what's happening here, but so I was brewing one of my first batches, and I I made this little yeah whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so the newlywed couple even picked up supplies for homebrewing on their honeymoon in 1995. That equipment helped John produce his first quality homebrew in Oktoberfest Marzen. Is there, how much of that is true right there? I think most of it's true. Was that, was that like the a beer that you were proud of when you, when you were homebrewing? You're like, holy shit, I kind of nailed it. Well, like, it was one of my first ones. So I don't know if, how proud I was. <laughs> It was, you know, like drinkable, I'm sure. Um, I remember making a, a pale ale shortly after that. And it was like, I just, it didn't taste right. And I was like, I don't know what's up. But yeah, after that, I mean, it was, it wasn't, I don't think I made any like super terrible beers, but um, it was a learning process, of course. It was fun. I remember a brown ale I made and it was, it had like nine ingredients and it was, it was so tasty. It was like, <laughs> I want to brew that again, but. We probably have. I mean, it's probably part of one of the recipes here, but that's awesome. So, yeah, let's let's get into Oktoberfest. So, sure, you guys brew one. It's probably it's you, it's an event you guys do. Have you been doing that for nine years? The um, we did the, the first party. year well, was minus, called minus twenty twenty. I think it was thirteen. We started it because that was our first. That would have been the first full year. Yeah, right? 
And I called it Fall Fest or something like that. I don't know why I didn't use Oktoberfest, but I think timing was such that just whatever. I just used that. And then after that, it was Oktoberfest. But we had we had our Oktoberfest that first year, I believe, in 13. And yeah, trying to keep the tradition alive, the party, you know, the celebration. Um, you go to lacrosse and they have like a 10-day celebration up there, which is pretty cool. And never got to spend enough time there, but everyone there just loves it. And they, they go out and they're, you know, it's maybe they go five nights out of the 10 and have some beers, listen to the music, play some Hammerschlagen, you know. I love that. Love, love the fall weather. Do you like Hammerschlagen, James? Yeah, I've had a, a lot of good times. With hammer that. nail. You can't call it Hammerschlagen. What? <laughs> what, what do you mean? I, it's, I think it's copyrighted. <laughs> okay. I, think oh. that, I think that is right. Oh, yeah. no. For I real? Some people call it stump. I've heard it called stump as well. Sure. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't how, like can that. You, how can you even... Co- whatever. <laughs> how can you even copyright that? It's just... Was it hard to not name your Oktoberfest John Martson? <laughs> I've been wanting to ask this for like five minutes. That's awesome. It's yeah. on my mind. Oh, I'll find my I won't God. name anything after myself, probably. So maybe I might use Martin, but Far- Farmer yeah. John is not named after John. That's my dad and my, my grandfather. So certainly. So we shouldn't call you Mr. Martin. You'll be like, oh, that's my father. That's fine. No, you can't what? call him Farmer John. Oh, yeah, I won't call you Farmer John. So, so Josh, what's your take on, uh, like, traditional styles? Uh, You know, all those and then, you know, going down to Martzen. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love traditional styles. Um, I am a Belgian uh, beer nerd before a German beer nerd. Uh, The rest of craft brewing culture has told me that I'm wrong. So, uh, you know, we're making the adjustment. You like those uh, phenols. Hell yeah. I, I do. I do. I do like saisons. I like... Uh, I like wild ales, obviously. I, I love uh, uh, Abbey styles, but uh, um, no, I I genuinely enjoy. I kind of feel like this is just true of brewers in general, right? Like for a while, you get like caught up when you first come into craft beer, and you're like, "Oh man, this new thing, that new thing. What does this taste like? What does that taste like? What if I throw that in there?" And then eventually, you kind of come around to just like, "Man, could I?" Can I just drink this check pills for the rest of time? Like that's all I like. Sure, you want to mix it up sometimes, but um, uh, the traditional styles are are beautiful. Uh, there's such a, a history to them and a backstory to them, right? Like the backstory to hazy IPAs is they taste juicy. And they're good, yes, right. Yes. The backstory uh, to the Pilsner is this uh, beautiful story about like uh, you know a town having terrible beer and then finding a brewer who made wonderful beer, mm-hmm. beer so good that like everybody came from all around to drink it and it became a staple of beer, what beer is and what beer means. So I think that that's very cool. Um, I have come to greatly appreciate brewing lagers. Uh, since I started working here, um, despite my Belgian beer nerdery, uh, I think um, loggers are just they're uh, uh, a testament to like patience and commitment, right? Like no other beer that you make requires that kind of commitment to it to give it the time to do what it needs, to watch it, to, to not necessarily baby it, but make sure that it goes through all all the steps it needs to go so it's as clean and bright as it could possibly be. And the final product is just like when you get when when like Confluence Original comes over this batch that we the most recent batch we made and it's just like crystal clear and like beautiful and just like just a whisper of like hop character but like not too much and like the malt is not overpowering and it's just it's so rewarding so 
Uh, no, I, I love traditional styles. I like screwing around. I like experimenting. I still like drinking hazies. I do. Like, maybe I'm getting, like, a little tired of it at this point, but I do still like it. But uh, but uh, traditional German styles are, are awesome. And, and getting to uh, riff on them is also awesome. Just, like, um, we made an Imperial Pilsner. It wasn't the best thing that we'd ever made, but, like, it was kind of fun to do a uh, Hallertau Blanc dry hopped Imperial Pilsner. Oh, my and mess God. Mess around with that. Um, so that was like a couple of years ago we did that. And uh, uh, we keep trying our hands at um, some some box and some Dunkel styles. And um, that's been hit or miss. But like, you know, every time we try to put a spin on it, uh, I think Campfire Black Lager is like a great example of <clears throat> like a sort of the, the blending of traditional German style and then like a little American spin with like, it's not Roush, but it's. Can we talk about Old Chungus for a minute? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how that came about. I love that beer so, so much. A secret, uh, uh, like a maybe a like a, a well-known secret is that I'm not a huge fan of Grays Lake Nessie. It's actually how Grays Lake Nessie Hazelnut came about. Um, and then eventually, oh, wow. eventually Chungus kind of as well um, in terms of... I think that it's not big or rich enough. Regular Nessie, like when I want a Scotch ale, like I want this big full multi, big full body multi experience. And it's not that Grey's Lake Nessie is bad; it's a good beer, but it's like it doesn't hit the note that I want. Um, and so we talked for a long time about developing a uh, uh, a bigger Scotch beer, and they had actually the year that I started in 2015, they had brewed the very first double mash that Confluence ever did which was a wee heavy and it finished at 10 play-doh and at the time that's like, it well we, i know we thought yeah, it's, it's 2021 now yeah. you better yeah yeah you better bump those numbers up bud uh, <laughs> so yeah we were thinking we failed and it was like what what happened you know we just kept like putting different yeast with it recirc it do whatever try to rouse it yeah, yeah try to get it down into the like five range you know it's finished no, at 10. No. It's finished at 10. And so we barrel aged most of it in Heaven Hills, like 12 year barrels, and mm, brought it out. Elijah Craig then probably. You think so? I mean, Maybe 12 yeah, years. Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. I think it was, they they, they said 14 on them and they went in on, at two. So, two. So, anyway, um, we pulled it out and we called it We Heaven. And it was, it was pretty tasty. It was very similar. But, but know, it was so sweet because, like, we weren't used to. <laughs> drinking beer that's sweet now that's what beer is but right. uh, and i'm sure at that time if we had not been maybe in des moines iowa at the time maybe yeah we would have yeah, been like oh yeah this sand is, is know, that is that a beer you guys do every year because I've, I've heard the name but i've never had the beer so this is we didn't do it again after yeah. that product was just kind of like well that was a fluke uh but then when we started doing other double mashes it would kind of like click like oh no this is like how this beer is supposed to turn up so yeah we made another batch. Uh, I wanted to make it with Heather. So uh, mm. we sourced some Heather to take the place of, uh, of uh, some of the Whirlpool hops. And we nice. had that there. And um, it just turned out really nice. And it's uh, uh, Big Chungus, the, the non-barrel aged <laughs> version of it, is like is a really nice beer. But man, uh, I will tell you when we first took uh, Old Chungus out of the barrels and we were tasting it, um, back in my like early uh craft beer chasing chicago days the beer that like was like not as hype as some of the others but that i couldn't understand why it wasn't 
like more hype was Founders Backwoods Bastard. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 That beer was like, I think that beer was like the first beer I had that was probably like a pseudo, like life changing beer where I was just like, holy <laughs> cow, how can I taste this? This is good. <laughs> So, being in Chicago, the beer that turned me on to craft beer was Three Floyds, Robert the Bruce, sure. Scott Shale, and then I found uh, uh, the the Founders beer, um, Backwards, Backwards yeah. Bastard, and I was just like, because oh, that was partially barrel aged, right? They, it was like a blend. Yeah, it's like they, Dirty Bastard. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. Like, there, there was a there. Dirty Bastard is the base, and then they yeah. would age okay. it. But I think they probably blended. But I think it was it was only a partial blend yeah. too. I think yeah. it was like twenty five. I went to the brewery and they said it at some point but that was yeah that was like 2012 but that's uh oh, man. that's yeah. i i have a really when we had a uh, alluvial on we were yes crushing their scotch ale the scotch ale scotch yeah, yeah it's spelled wrong yeah, <laughs> on the on the menu so it's scotch <laughs> but uh that's uh those guys those like it was very big good. like oh, man like chocolatey or maltier but lighter I, it's a I just remember drinking Robert the Bruce at the bar and it was a life changing moment for me where I drank and I was just like, what, what am I fucking, what is this? And then I was like, Oh, I mean, I taste chocolate. I taste like roast. I taste like vanilla. I taste cherry, like all this stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know what this is I'm drinking in Illinois. You know, at the time we couldn't get, uh, I'll try harder, James. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> I uh, we couldn't get we couldn't fill growlers at bars or anything like that because it was you know, it wasn't it was frowned upon. But the bar I went to, of course, was uh, they were like, I don't give a fuck. We'll fill them for you. So I would literally go in and like every other day fill up a 64 ounce growler and drink it home. My wife like, <laughs> and my wife was the one. She got me into craft beer and she liked like IPAs and uh, uh, half acres. Um, Daisy Cutter. Daisy Cutter. Oh, it's, my. I love that beer. It's such a good beer. Yeah. And she got me into that. And I remember drinking it. And I was just like, this beer tastes like weed. Oh, my God. This is terrible. Like, I don't like this whatsoever. And now, you know, yeah. that's all I want in life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that, but man, those 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 dark beers. So, do you guys have a, like a Scotch Ale or something like that on tap that I could? Uh, uh, there's Gray's Lake and there's the Gray's Lake with uh, hazelnut coffee. Okay. Yeah. You guys talk. I'm going to go. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And apparently the Grays Lake isn't good. According to Josh. Yeah. Hot take. Do you want to grab some tasters? Well, I'm not having my shift beers these days. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. If you don't mind. Thanks. This is with the hazelnut. Yeah. That's my personal favorite of the two. My wife and I bonded over this before we were married. So we had, I went over our spaghetti date story before this, but we came here. This was this must have been three or four years ago. Had a pint of it each. Went to go went to Barada's for spaghetti. Came back, had another pint. Bought a four pack. Went home, crushed the entire four pack. Great night. Then yeah. we watched a Chainsaw Massacre. It was it was around October. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, and so we we always nerd out when it comes out. So we always get. That's like, a great story. Yeah, like a that is a really them. great story. <laughs> we love it. Yeah, it's yeah. Grace loves it even more than I do because she's a huge coffee person. I like coffee, but she like yeah, that's what she nerds out about, and she loves it. Yeah, no, it's really cool because like I want to go back and have a date with my wife again. You know, like when we're just just kind of just bring mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What would that date look like? Oh boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's 1994. I would, I would probably take the same date you had, maybe change the movie, but yeah, it's sure. kind of good. She doesn't like beer as much. So. It would probably look like us being at a bar and she's drinking whiskey and I'm drinking beer. There you <laughs> go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe we're both drinking old fashions. I don't know. Oh my, I love a good old fashioned. Yeah, no we, kidding. We I, need to put that in a can, right? I know. Figure out a way to make a good old fashioned can. Here's my idea I've been thinking about, possible. and you guys can take it. You might do it better than I would. I was thinking about making an imperial seltzer, putting it in bourbon barrels, and then adjuncting it like an old fashioned. Wow. It might taste like shit, <laughs> but it might be all right. I'm trying to put all that together. and I haven't. So, how do you. An imperial seltzer is just one with more sugar, so it's like I guess anything over what eight or nine. Sure, I don't, I don't. So I don't let's get know. some cane juice. All right, let's start there. Cane like juice, cane sugar juice. Oh sure, yeah. And then uh, what else? So that would be kind of the the sweet component. And then oh, I see back it a little bit. Yeah, it with you know, like instead of like a pound or two or three pounds per gallon, maybe a half a pound per gallon of cherries. Yeah, Luxardos. Let's yeah. spend the money. Yeah. This is a dream beer, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's a seltzer. seltzer. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's keep this real. Get it right. Get the yeah. facts right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a dream fermented beverage. I feel, like, sorry. I feel like we're going to get whispers of, of the bourbon and not like bourbon bourbon. Yeah, you're right. We'll so, just pour a bunch of bourbon yeah. in there. That's legal. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get a tote of bourbon and start there. Yes, exactly. And add yeah. some cane sugar. <laughs> Just some, we'll get, get a couple five, a couple cherry cans of of the cane juice, and then uh, yeah, I think we're up to a good start there. Thank you. So we much. did Alex. a uh, we did a Manhattan inspired uh, rum barrel aged or sorry bourbon barrel aged uh, brown ale uh, a little earlier this year. And uh, we actually got a um, bitters recipe from Mike Gautier over at, uh, at Winch- Winchester, Winchester and uh, just kind of like grabbed those herbs and spices and sort of blend like, you know, let took a portion of the beer and let it infuse and then blended some amount of that back to give the kind of bitter. So I think it turned out really nice. Yeah, yeah, it did. Very nice. So you can do something like that to get your 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 bitters component. So old chungus. I wish I would yes. have known because I I have a can or two at home yet. That would have been nice to share that. Well, now you know. Now I know. You know where I work. Well, we can do the we next do. one in my basement. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> iBest is coming up. So. That's right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. we could sneak one in. <clears throat> so there will be fresh old chungus in like three more months. That's so. right. Yeah. And fresh big chungus. What do we have here? This is a, a barley wine. Bottle of something. This is barley wine. Oh, we're so I guess maybe not Oktoberfest theme, but we're malt. We're, we're in the malty, malty yeah, season. Yeah, rich right malty fall beers. So, look, let me ask this question because I feel like a lot of people have opinions on it, but I always went the opposite way. Um, and obviously, the consumer drives what we brew, right? I mean, the consumer is is ultimately in charge of what we do to a certain degree to a certain degree yes um but as far as like the big stouts and your barley wines and stuff like that i feel like those no matter what always sell better in the colder months and obviously it makes sense they're heartier whereas your ipas your colches your uh gold nails you know saisons whatever sell better in the summer 
I've been the drinker that when it comes like summertime for some reason, especially like when I was, you know, in Chicago in 2010, 2012, um, really getting into drinking, I was like pounding uh, Guinnesses and stouts in the summertime. And then when it came winter, for some reason, I wanted the crispier Kolsch's or the lighter beers. Um, That's funny. And it, and I haven't I haven't felt many I've found many other brewers or industry folks that have been that way and I'm like maybe I'm maybe no. I'm the problem. No, like, <laughs> like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, like I want a crispy like Pilsner, and I'll I'll walk down to like whatever Ingersoll Wine and Spirits and look for something because I I've started saving a little Ivy back you know just so I have something but. I was yeah. like, you know, we make one. Right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just head on over to yeah. Thomas Beck no, Road. I, it was like, <laughs> two take her much you want. I'm like, we don't have anything, but there's always an eye anger around the corner, you know. Something oh my. like that. Their Bavarian yeah. Pils is yeah, 110. percent Yeah, I love that beer. I I have a friend from Wisconsin, and he only eats ice cream in the winter. So what? you know, there's. There's weird folks out there is all I'm saying. It's and real you, you I might... think that was a very pointed comment, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for you're that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so I just got the regular grades like Nessie. Yeah. Because I feel like before I uh, bastardize it with coffee and, yeah. or hazelnut coffee, I have to try the original. Man. <laughs> this is a really tasty beverage. Yeah. It's like, do you uh, package yeah. this by chance? We do. Yes. Do you? Awesome. Yeah. So I got to give the credit to that beer to uh, Mark from the homebrew club. And I'm trying to remember his last name. Um, one of the elders, you know, in our homebrew club early on. And he won like best of show one year. And I think court Avenue ramped his recipe up, but he told me about it. He told the whole group and he was like, yeah, I take like the first, I don't know if it's a five gallon batch, like first gallon or whatever, run it into the boil kettle and boil it for like half an hour. So caramelizing some of that. Get some of that Maillard reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's how I made it at home after he told me. And it was so good. It's like you get this little crystal malt flavor Mm -hmm. that you don't really get with a steam jacket, but we try. We try. There's so many things that like modern brewing techniques have really made the industry better. Yes. Safer. Um, quicker, easier, better, you know, like everything. But then, you know, you, you go to your beer stats where they have the full copper kettles or you go to the, the breweries <laughs> with the, the direct fire copper kettles and yeah, you taste those beers and there's just like, ah, there's something special. About that. Yeah. You know what I'm like? I, I haven't personally, I've never been overseas. Uh, have either one of you guys been like to Germany or to the, the, the motherland of beer, Belgium, or anything like that. I have been to Belgium. Yeah, I've yeah. stepped into Canada. You know, <laughs> but that's, that's yeah. They I'm, threw a Labatt bottle at your head yeah. and said, "Get the fuck out." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in the boundary waters, I might cross the line somewhere. But yeah, no, I, I, I want to go very badly. But the Molson just hits different <laughs> across the border. Yeah. It's the it's the it's the direct fire, man. Yeah. Oh, Sprecher Brewing Company. That was one of my inspirations. Like that's one of the first breweries I read about, mm-hmm. and how this guy who was an engineer um, designed his own brewery. He he like took a milk tank and stood it on end and put a big ass like heater under it. Yeah. You know, he's blasting. That was blasting. his boil kettle. Yeah, that was yeah. his boil kettle. Oh my! And so God. they had these really tasty beers, and I remember their Milwaukee Pills. 
Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't call it that because they were in Glendale. <laughs> so they got called out on it early on. But I remember going and, and visiting the brewery. And this was probably in 96, 97. Uh, there was a wedding over there that we went to. And so we did the tour. And uh, the beer was so good. And I got one of their big one liter dimpled mugs. And I'm drinking the beer out of it. And it's just... I'm just dying because it's so awesome. <laughs> and I get this little bit of like hint of vanilla every time I, I take a sip. And I'm not sure what that was other than mm-hmm. they, they they bottled root beer on the same line. So, I think maybe. Oh, oh it's yeah. Yeah. In that, But it was so good. It was wow. like the little tiny bubbles that would form every time I, I took a sip. And so, like I was sold on on everything about brewing at that point. Like I was just so in love. It was I think it's interesting that this industry we're in is, I I don't feel like there, I feel like there's a lot of industries where people just show up, you know, accountants or bankers or lawyers even sometimes. Um, But I feel like in brewing, especially on the production side, not so much, maybe maybe front of house, but you really have to like buy into it and, and kind of be a geek about it and, I feel like now, now that I'm in the industry, I've kind of, I obviously I've stopped chasing beers and, and all this, and maybe it's just too much work and there's not enough time, but there's also just so many good beers. There's so many good <laughs> beers, but I mean, Josh, you were saying it too. And I know you, uh, uh, James talked about it before and you too beat like the, when I first started drinking beer, there was those beers I would drink that I would, it was like a, like a God tier moment. I was like, yeah, for sure. What, what is this? Like, what Alpha am I? King. You know, well, yeah, Alpha uh, King is a big one. And literally I talked shit on three Floyds earlier about uh, that, but a lot of their beers are, they slap pretty hard. I don't like zombie dust too much. I've never really cared for zombie dust, but Alpha Gumball, King, Gumball head. Gumball head is Gumball head is probably a top five beer for me in life. It's like a hoppy wheat. It's a great shower beer. Like, mm. right. shower beer yeah. Never had the opportunity. In a bomber. <laughs> in yeah. Don't drop that one. <laughs> oh man, it's, so, a, it's a meal in the shower. <laughs> right. So let's. Uh, we uh, James just passed out a beer here. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's, let's take sure. a nose to this. And it's a. This is Big Chef Barley Wine. It actually comes out November 11th. We had a beer dinner at Cab Co. But it's. Uh, I'll go through the process a little bit. It's probably the most interesting part. It's mainly Golden Promise. A little bit of... Uh, I had a few bags of Maris Otter I threw in there too. Double, Lord Maris. Double mash, 12-hour boil. Um, I mistimed it, so I was there way too long. <laughs> we got in at 5, and I left at 2.30. Yeah. It was tough. We should, Looking back, I was like, maybe we should have came in at like 8. 12-hour boil. Yeah. Yeah, I just so I you, wanted you to. You the kettle boiling by two o'clock, or it was it was knocked. I was completely knocked out at two thirty. Yeah, wow. but yeah, it was. Uh, when did the boil start? Maybe noon. Yeah, went from it's like noon good. to midnight. Seven hours for a double mash and get her going. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed <laughs> the the pictures you shared there because you you took uh, work samples from the boil every uh, every hour, hour every hour, hour I was taking. Just seeing the color progression from yeah. the concentration of yeah, the word is, I, I, that's something still to me. It's like, this is the same beer from here to here, but it's not, it, you know, it's like. It, it was, it was, uh, it was like the first time we'd ever done that. I was actually inspired by, uh, I've been talking about it for a while because we were getting some barrels in and I'm like, oh, what should we, 
what should we fill in here, you know, on social media? And I think it was Shane Knipper who was like, oh, you should do a barley wine. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I, don't, I do not want to do that at all. And then uh, Dustin, when Dustin came on, my assistant, he was like, man, when are we going to do a barley wine? And I was like, oh, we'll do it next week. And then a month later, <laughs> when I actually got the like, the 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 nerve to do it, we just said, let's do it. Let's come in on like a Wednesday or whatever and just knock her out and uh, or him out. Big chef. That was a great um, order all in itself, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was a thousand pounds of grain. Yeah. Because um, the first mash, we just took first runnings. We didn't sparge. Mashed out, did the second one, sparged up to 10 barrels and went down to five and three quarter barrels. That's when I knocked out. That's when it was like, whatever, this color, whatever. Um, Nottingham to ferment, let it just sit for a month and then uh, dumped yeast. My fermenter was on the fritz actually, wouldn't wouldn't, uh, crash below 50. So, we just threw it down in the cellar for two days and then racked into, most of it's in barrels actually, it's in some bourbon barrels. Where it's gonna sit for a while and then yeah. we got a barrel and a half that's this and that's uh kind of the star of our beer dinner i'm yeah. pretty proud of it i think it's uh kind of shows a little bit where i came from last year to this year so i i've said before i mean and i think this room shows that you know there's a good you know josh and i we've been eight years brewing uh in the industry john um what do you know? Nine 45 years. years, 45 years, <laughs> four to five, four to oh, four to yeah. five. Yeah. nine years as an owner, but homebrewing for almost 19 before that. 1995, right? Yeah. I mean, 91 was your first yeah. one. So let's call it almost 30 years right now. And, um, we're really getting into it probably 95, let's say maybe, right? Yeah. Based on call it 95, unless you're, yeah, unless your website's not truthful, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you have a lot of age and, you know, when I first met James, he had been professionally brewing for month, just a, month, a few months, a yeah, month or yeah. two. Yeah. And uh, just seeing the the progression. And I've told you this before. It's not. A, don't cry. It's OK. We're good. Brother. No, Pete's just giving a face. And oh, yeah. <laughs> that is His basketball draft got fucked. That's what, he's yeah, that's what it is. So annoyed they scheduled it for sure. No, just yeah. seeing like I, the progression of, of, of beers that you've produced over the last year is fascinating. And, you know, just. It reminds me of me when I was uh, a little young baby brewing, but <laughs> joking. No, I, it's like the beers are phenomenal, and I've I didn't like I said I moved here in 2019. I didn't have the beers at Court Ave, and I think Court Ave has this weird history where it's got a very rich history, but the past few years the beers have not been the best. And everyone I talked to that has been here a long time is like they've. They've really been the best they've been in a long time. Yeah, I brought this barley wine specifically to get my ego stroked. So. <laughs> I'm glad it's starting well, to work. But no, I have to be... My Venmo, you know, by the way, is Alex Dunn. <laughs> I gave him $500 and he gave me the shout out. So. No, but um, I'm going to try to connect this back to Confluence because that's we're doing that now. But um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to make this, you know, uh, the, the gym show, but... You know, getting this far has been because of the support of other local breweries. Like, I've reached out to you multiple times, Josh, and other people around Des Moines, too, who have, were willing to share their knowledge. We, so, have a, we have a great community of brewers. At we do. 100%. You know, it's like, um, you know, rising tides and all that stuff. So, right. um, that's so I'm thankful for that. And you guys have been a bastion of, you know, Iowa 
craft beer for a long time. So it's nice to be able to kind of see that echo out through some of the newer brewers that are coming into the scene. We've had so, great examples over the years, you know, and all you can do is try to just follow those good examples that you've mm-hmm. seen. Where are you guys on uh, the level of like size and uh, like barrelage now, nine years? So then. around 7,000, maybe we might might hit 7,500 this year. Mm. We, we were at 7,500 in 2073. 7, 7,300 yeah. in 2019. So we're getting back to that level. Yeah. Nice. But yeah. I mean, it's. So, I mean, uh, one of the. I mean, gosh, a Big Grove, TG, Exile, you guys. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the smallest. I mean, yeah, yeah but the, that group, but yeah. But yeah, but they're new. I, I mean, we, no, yeah. We've but, been like fourth. We've been third or fourth in the. Uh, yeah. For the last. TG. Didn't years. report for a while, so yeah. Um, but when they only, started reporting, the though, they were always that they were, yeah. Barrels, so it's like, yeah. yeah. The assumption was always <laughs> that they were number one. There's a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the? I don't know. Plan. I mean, it seems like you guys are doing all the right things here. I mean, you. We don't have plans of like our our growth plan has been pretty just moderate over yeah. the years ha- has the building expanded from from 2012 i mean have yeah. you taken over more units in the we have in yeah. the strip here in, in 16 josh seller brothers josh and sean were here in the in july when um i came in on a saturday and i i busted through the wall i've got a, a video of him going through the wall like the kool-aid man yes yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so the, the design of the building or the space was that all right, we're going to put the bathrooms here. And I told the architect, like, leave us a space in case we're lucky enough to expand. And within a couple of years, we were like, yeah, we're, we're expanding. And we've been leasing like one sliver of the space over here for extra warehousing, like in 2015. And then 16, we came over and that's when we got serious. We dug up a bunch of concrete and put in um, our packaging cellar. Yeah. And made the space for the centrifuge and everything. And so by January of 17, we were canning and that was kind of the goal was to get a packaging line and you know we we hope to be canning about six months after we opened in 12 and then it just you know the draft kept going and it's like we don't have enough liquid and it's going to be a lot of money to get a canning line so let's just keep doing this until we can't and finally we made that decision it was like i remember coming back from vacation i think it was in 15 um and was like yeah, we're going to do this. We, we just have to do this. Maybe it was the summer of 16 and it was that fast that we got things going, but it was, I don't know if you guys knew this, but before the cans, Crowlers. We filled, uh, yeah, Crowlers. Crowler, we filled Crowlers. Like, uh, we were sending out like Crowlers. A, we sent a out thousands a week. Yeah. So, no, I remember. I, I remember. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, sorry. Um, one of the, uh, we used to buy your Crowlers. So, the squealers. Growlers. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Growlers, squealers. Yes. Yeah. Growl- Howl- yeah. Squealers. I'm going to say that because it doesn't yeah. sound like Crowler. Yeah. Um, we used to buy those a lot. And then I remember when you guys had your first cans. Was that Des Moines IPA? And mm-hmm. um, Farmer, John. Farmer John. I can't. T- I remember the car I used to have was a 95 Crown Vic. LX um, drove it here and bought a, a four pack of each and drove it back up to Ames. And I was like, damn, we're going to get cans soon. Because I hated having to return those uh-huh. squealers back. I was like, I hate this. Now my, the cans you can just throw. My very You don't throw them away. You recycle them. No, that's what I said. Into my recycling bin. Oh, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Come on, man. I got one of each. My very first day <laughs> here was uh, spent 
predominantly uh, labeling with like the you know the like electric. It's like the labeler the you, you guys have the foot switch like labeler. Uh, yeah, labeled so quick. Uh, I don't know. I think it was like we don't yeah, we was, don't have that one anymore. We have a little... I, I I wish that I could remember the number, but it was just like a stack of uh, of those those like half growlers or whatever you want to call them with Oktoberfest. That was like my the very first oh, thing wow. I did here was just label like a pallet a pallet's worth. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. That's poetic. And he stuck around. Yeah. Yeah. We used to be able to do like 20 cases an hour. Jeez. Like it was just crazy cuz you, yeah. you guys we, weren't hand doing those were no, you? No, we had a it was a, like a cask two-headed can filler. Oh, okay. Had been we never used like we never used it to fill cans mm-hmm. ever and we had a seamer, but we just didn't do that format. So we modified it so that it would do like you stick it under there and you hit the button it would purge it and then it would fill it and then we'd just top it off and like we had no headspace so the like do was it was one person would <laughs> you'd, you'd label all of the of the the growlers ahead of time and then one person would is three person job one person is like sanding like bottle filling and then one person is like oh, actually filling the cask God. and then the last person is Capping and shrink like heat shrink. The heat gun. I, the heat yeah. gun. I know. I know the heat like gun. Applying, yeah. applying, <laughs> applying, applying the like. Uh, yeah, the, the, the seal. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Get I don't know if I'm having a heart attack or just like yeah. anxiety. Right <laughs> Flashbacks. Well, we used to fill out of kegs, and then we then we started like we would fill the order, and then we started filling out of the bright tank when we had beer available, mm-hmm. and we would just package enough that we thought it was good. But uh, Rebecca Bowen, she's been with us. And so is Mark since like the first couple months. And Becca was graduating from college and her mom came to us and said, can we have her party here? And it's like, okay, yeah, this is our first time doing this, but yeah, <laughs> let's do this. And then, um, I don't know what it was, but Becca, you know, afterwards I'm like, she probably needs a job. We need people, someone here to do things, <laughs> to work in the tap room at least. And so she, she signed on then. And so she used to help with bottle filling and, I would she tell her, and, like... She and Sam were, like, the yeah, two, the yeah, two for a long time. In. I know. it was, And then it would be a production person, like, that would be on the, on on the, actual, the, filler, on the actual filler yeah. while they were doing the other two parts, yeah. And so, um, I used to tell Becca, I said, we're creating the good old days right now. <laughs> and so, when we talk about the, the, those are the good old days, but... Uh, so, I, I do... I, I, I remember that now. So, I was... We were driving to Denver for GABF, and I... Had to have been 2014 or 2015. That would fit. Mm-hmm. And we stopped at uh, old good old Dirty John's in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went. And so coming from Illinois, um, you could only do uh, 64 inch growlers or uh, we called them howlers, yeah. squealers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, crowlers were not a thing at this time anywhere in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't go to a gas station or a grocery store and get a beer filled in a crowler. You couldn't go to a bar and get a beer filled in a crowler or a growler. I, see, not, yeah, I, 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 don't, I haven't yeah. seen a growler filled in probably three years and I'm so <laughs> fucking grateful. But I walked into Dirty John's and I'm like, oh, this is... Just come to Cab Coat for that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Dirty John's and I'm like, this is like holy grail status for me coming from Illinois. Like this is, you know, it was like, what are we going to do in Iowa? Okay. Well, there's two spots. You stop at Elbate shop and you go to dirty mm-hmm, John's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Right. And so 
went into Dirty John's and, you know, we're in like the, the Belgian room and then you go into the cooler and it was just a wall of <laughs> 32 ounce howlers, squealers, whatever you want to call them. Not just by you guys, but from other people. And I was just like, oh my, like literally I was like with all like a bunch of other Illinois brewers and I was like, they allow that? He, like what in the <laughs> world? Like who filled it? Did the brewery fill it? Like I had so many questions. I'm like, did the brewers fill this or did they send a keg and Dirty John's filled it and did this? Like I would literally like talked about it for probably from Iowa City to like Kearney, Nebraska. Oh, wow. Because I was oh, my God. like, I honestly, well, coming from Illinois, like I was just like, what? The, I mean, we didn't get you couldn't fill a growler at a restaurant until 2019 when I left. Wow. That is maybe insane. 2018. So did they not have? Uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> Uh, the brewers fought it very hard. It was brewers against retailers, okay. like pitted wow. because. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it, I mean, it's all. I mean, it's it's legitimate reasons, but at the same time, I don't know if it's legitimate. <laughs> uh, the retailers say if we can clean a glassware properly, clean glassware properly, and fill it off a tap, we can clean a growler properly and mm-hmm. fill it. Mm-hmm. And all the brewers were like, "No, you can't." And I was one of those brewers for a long time, and then I was just like. I just don't give a care anymore. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Like, as long like, we can also, well, we weren't self-distributed, but if you're a self-distributed brewery, you can control where your beer goes. So, so. <laughs> the, the cleanliness is one thing, and hopefully that's just, like, I assume that's going to happen. But the problem I used to have with a brewery in Omaha, I would love a beer when I was there, and they had a, an awesome, like, Scottish ale. <laughs> so, you would be enjoying it there, and it's like, I want a growler to go home. Cause I live an hour away and I'm not coming up here again for a month or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would fill it. And that was before the days of tubes or anything. And so you, you get it filled and it's half foam and half beer and they finally get it full of beer. But by then it's just all flat and you get it home. It's like, this is not the same beer. But also the, 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 the loss involved there. I mean, I, I, I oh, remember seeing yeah. people oh, fill them without tubes. Oh, I mean, I, yeah. no, it's awful. And they're pissing probably. Uh, 32 ounces or more down the drain right just trying to get not foam in there and it's yeah i mean it's yeah. it's completely true story if you want to i still with- don't I, I i see the place in the world for them but i was when, when on the board in illinois i was definitely the guy that i was like i don't care i don't think growlers should be anybody should use them and so they, they were like well that doesn't help like our argument, I'm like, but that's that's my stance. So I don't think anybody should use them. Breweries can fill them, <laughs> but retailers can't. That's where you wanted to go with it, or that's uh, I wanted. wanted to go I, with it? That, so that's what it was for. I think it was either late 2018 or early 2019 when that law changed. Yeah. Um, and that's where I was for a long time. Was that breweries can fill them, retailers cannot. But then, but that was like probably 2015 to 2016, and then by 2017, I was just like, I don't think anybody should use. It. And so that's like the platform I stood on was like, yeah. Let's get rid of crowlers and gr- or growlers. Like, <laughs> amen. That's just reminding me of high V right now. It's like uh, they used to have those. It was a huge thing when they got those growler stations, and that lasted for what eighteen months. Yeah, and then they got the crowlers, and I never see anyone there. Like, is anyone buying that beer on draft? Like, what do well, they do with that keg? I'd rather go to high V. I go to the fucking come and go, and there's crowlers and draft beer setting. I'm like, what? Who, who's coming into this come and go way out in Waukee? And buying Crowler, like I don't. There, it, it, there was a. I don't understand it whatsoever. There was the Johnston Come and Go. They've revamped it since the one in front of the AMC had like uh, what's that exo- What's their barrel aged beer? Um, Jesus on a forklift. Mm-hmm. Man, they had last year's That's Jesus on a forklift. 
well into the next year like because no one yeah. went to that growler station right, and it right. was like yeah, and plus that growler is probably like forty dollars it's like no one's going into a gas station to buy a growler <laughs> to buy a forty dollar right growler. it's like let's carry let's let's create some more shelf space and get the package product here yeah exactly or i don't i don't even know who's going to come and go to get barrel aged beer period but <laughs> maybe not the best if, example you know, i knew still. that my Local gas station had barrel aged beer. I, I would go there to get barrel aged beer if I thought it was. Well, we would, right? Yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah. But, you know, you know like, is Joe Schmuck in a. And you have to have something. Yeah, right. It's like, so. oh, yeah, Jesus yeah. on a forklift. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'll take that. $40? What? Sorry, I didn't even make that. Sorry, I wasn't making that. <laughs> we can cut that a out. Bar mitzvah, Jesus on a forklift. It's a joke, but yeah. That kind of I had a good time. <laughs> I would, I'm just going to say, like, I've seen so many growlers filled at Old Bait Shop. I've filled so many growlers there. You have, Pete. That retailers should not fill growlers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going to give it to you guys when you guys, no, like, growlers. Because as a retailer, like, as a consumer, when you pay $40 for a howler, and you get it home, you're damn well going to enjoy it. Right? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what it tastes like. You're going to enjoy it. Well, there's so many people that came in and like ordered like a, a Capital Gold and like a 32-ounce growler. And you're like, you can just drive to the brewery and get 32 ounces for the same price. Yeah. Or I never said it. <laughs> and, and it was packaged properly. <laughs> yeah. Like we had a CO2 like purge line, but nobody used it. Was bullshit. How often was that used? When I was working there. There are growler enthusiasts, clearly, because I mean, it still happens in the tap room. We'll yeah, it does. For sure. Cans, right? And they'll just be like, no. They, like, I think the perception out there, right, is that the draft has to be fresher, even though we actually you can the day after we can get it. The cans so, taste yeah. different, Josh. Yeah, I know. I get it. It's <laughs> no. fine. Everyone has their. their <laughs> what do you mean? I heard you guys just tapped a new keg of gold. That means it has to be fresh as hell. What that's, are you talking that's about? True. That's true. Speed and Capital Gold, <laughs> it's probably the best label. Of any beer in the state of Iowa. <laughs> Just so you guys know. Label. <laughs> and why is that, Pete? Tell us. Uh, local artist Van Holmgren designed it. Oh, it's just that's right. That's so right. great. Okay. What's your yes. connection to Van? Oh, he's my older brother. Oh. Fist bumps all around. Yep. Right there. There you How go. How much did he give you in your Venmo? <laughs> <laughs> he has three fifty for me. He still owes me a painting. So. <laughs> Can we rank our just, top five I, uh, Confluence labels? I just, I honestly, I just remember that and it, it, no. it blew my mind for a mine. long, long, and I literally would, I, uh, being on the board in Illinois, I would go back and we would have five hour board meetings dedicated to should we let retailers do growlers and I would bring up my trip <laughs> to, I'm not even joking, my trip to Denver when I'm like, I went into Dirty John's, one of the best liquor stores in the nation. And they had pre-filled growlers sitting on the shelf there. And then I'd go, you know, we stopped at a gas station in blah, blah, blah town in Iowa. And they had a growler filling. So I'm like, and that was literally was my argument for, like, for letting it happen. Why, for not letting it oh, happen. Okay. For like being against <laughs> it. It's, it's, in, it's in Iowa. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm in Iowa. AE is still garbage. Party dip can go to hell. Oh my um, god! <laughs> I forgot about that a. spicy take. Oh my god! I Nobody. don't like AE product. Well, I like AE. Party dip is not good. That's but spicy. Um, that's spicy. That's <laughs> a spicy. Alex will go to better palate one day. Yeah. I actually so, just switched my opinion on best chocolate milk from Iowa. It's no longer AE. It's Picket Fence. Is that a local? Oh, Clover. Is uh, it Clover now? It's with one with a brown cow on it. 
Um, no, it's a glass bottle. Nope, and this one is not glass. Sheaf Sheeter Farms. Sheeter Farms. Farms. Pickup Pins is fine, James. Yeah. Um, it's like we literally chocolate pudding. Yeah. I only drink it at two in the morning when I wake up and I'm thirsty. I think it's because they use the cream. They use the whole milk. It's so to, good. Do you have to wait in a bottle share line to get that? Creamy chocolate pudding, like milk. do they do they do growler fills? Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah I've had the same. Just bring the cow to the the store. Yeah, get it we'll, fresh. We'll purge the udder. Yeah. They yell at me when I don't clean out the jug. <laughs> like, this isn't clean enough to put it in. But I only wait till they tap a fresh keg. Was <laughs> oh, that a new keg? Fill right, me up. So going back to your not to take over here, but. Um, I guess some herbal. Like, what hops did you use? Man, that's a great question. John. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, fuggle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. At ninety minutes and fifteen. Right. John, can I smell your beer? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get a yeah. lot of uh, fruit cake, like really dense fruit cake. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. yeah thank you. I think it finished <clears throat> for anyone who cares. Uh, eight and a half play doh. Nice. Started at twenty nine. Yeah. Something like that. Something's like 11 and a half. Yeah. So it's only going to spend like an eight. Drink it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'll be plenty more for you, Josh. So, okay. I promise. Who, um, I get a little cherry now, too. There, I, so I got I got huge cherry right yeah. and, and And of course, like the traditional barley wine stuff. You get the like kind of the fig. Oh, I got like the little bit of raisin. Um, obviously, this is a. Uh, uh, it's English. Uh, English, but yeah. also. Uh, on barrel age too so mm-hmm. um, you know I'm actually I'm saving all the barrel I mean, obviously I mean you know you, for myself we just tasted like eight barrel aged barley wines at Lua the other day and it was on. I just I love barrel aged beer I like barley wine too and um, just the complexity that it gets sitting in that barrel and oh yeah just going yeah. And, and I know you're you're still newer but oh okay yeah let's hear it no it's just you're putting beer in barrels and it's awesome that you're doing that and just seeing the tasting them like every six. I fucking love that. That's that's to, to bring it, I guess on that point, it's like the first, the first few beers that I put in barrels, I really didn't know what I was doing and like tasting them now, they absolutely must be blended. It's like, that's the only way to like, they have good barrel character, but they went in, you know, at like four or five Play-Doh and they've been in there for, north of a year so it's like when they're coming out and like i didn't know quite how to like control ph on darker beers especially during like the boil so now we're like we're blending them and the blends taste really nice right but it's not what's straight coming out of the barrel it's like we're still able to get a good product um but the these later barrels like with this barley wine and the stout i had before that i'm i'm very proud of those and they were definitely built for barrels definitely after what i've learned from everyone it seems like Which is great. I'm glad that people are dropping that knowledge on me. So, it's like, that's really exciting. But, like, having to, like, pull these barrels and taste them, I'm like, damn. Like, I, I realize the potential they had. And now having to, like, which is fine. Blending's fun. You know, that's that's a whole other aspect. But, yeah. It's just, like, the, this barley wine out of a bourbon barrel is going to be super fun. So, oh, like, I'm glad it was absolutely. able to be done yeah. in the proper way. <laughs> Not, like, the first, like, stout I put in there four months into my job that move uh when you go from uh putting something in a barrel that you're like oh this beer turned out well and i bet it would age okay Mm -hmm. going from that moment to the moment where 
you are designing your recipe from the ground up with the idea that the barrel is an ingredient of yes, a final beer. Exactly. Right? Like that's that's a big like that's a big level up moment, hundred percent. It straight up like blew my mind that having to like actually the barrel's not just something you throw in at the end. It's like build build the beer for the barrel. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like don't worry about what it tastes like two months in, right? It's like throw it in the barrel and don't worry about it for twelve months. Mm-hmm. 18 months whatever yeah so it's like getting to that point is huge like when we we're at, when i was at cbc they had the uh adjuncted stout seminar where you have like wild works your favorite three floyds um moxa <laughs> and eighth state <clears throat> talking about how they prepare stuff for barrels which is like you know talking about like hype beers you know where it's like oh you know these stouts finish at like 18 play-doh <laughs> which is insane but taking that as kind of like a uh baseline like okay how can we you know bring this to like someone who's working on a system that's almost as old as they are <laughs> you yeah. know, and bring that into barrels or whatever. So like having that as a baseline, is really cool. And it was a lot of like context and perspective where it's like, Oh boy, this breakfast out I brewed, it's pretty good. Let's throw it in barrels. And then you taste it a year later and you're like, Oh, why is it so like acidic and like thin, you know, it's all yeah. not considering the barrel as you brew. And I think you guys do that really well. And I just want to stand real quick for, 50s dad oh yeah because <laughs> i love that yeah. beer it is so good mm. thank you because yeah. we were talking thank about you. it before the iocraft beer festival mm-hmm. and uh because i was like you can put a milk stout in a milk stout in a barrel and you were like yeah there's like other dangers with it with you know certain bacteria that can eat that lactose or whatever and a whole other thing but like that you guys can like have it come out and be so I love we, that beer. We we skipped it. Last it only year. like seven last and year we had to dump it. Too. I know I was super yeah. sad. But uh, wait, well, that that beer has actually gone bad on us twice. It has, and yeah. once we made some good things out of it. It was serendipity the first time. Oh yeah. Oh we, nice. Did we call it that? We did call we it did. serendipity. Yeah. That was still yeah. in the, and that in was the growler hours, days. Probably. Yeah, Damn. Was. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of the better beers on nitro I've ever had. Was fifties dad? Yeah. Fifties dad. Yeah. Mm. So the first time we made that, um, Kent Middendorf, who used to mm-hmm. work here, um, old dirty. Yeah, old dirty. We should we get the figs out? Oh, yeah, okay. I was thinking I would. Yeah. I'll go grab them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you tell him the story. You know, I yeah. saw him last okay. week, and he was. Hey guys, before we tell living the story, up to his name. Before we tell a story, do you mind if we take a small break? You gotta go For by. sure. So do yeah, I. Let's do. Thanks, it. guys. I appreciate yeah, it. You bet. Like like uh like some of these places that talk about it and they're like we have it in there for two plus years it's like Christ Almighty it's like it's that two year waiting period that's the hardest part though I mean after you pass that you it's rolling right sure how and often I'm, did you right. brew it yeah and I'm not saying it's not good product I'm just yeah. like if I can get I don't know it's just like damn you're really sitting on a bunch of money it's like yeah. not that well, it's all it's, money it's, based it's but money the staves in the top are are drying out yeah because, exactly yeah so what do you yeah think of all the money you gotta spend on wax thing now about a beer that has <laughs> that level of uh abv is like i'm less concerned about infection infection right. yeah right but, right but i mean to that point too though i mean i know um we yeah we brewed a barley wine and put it put it in four barrels and i was like there, oh, we have like a keg to maybe mess, like we had 15 gallons to use. And I'm like, no, we're going to use that as like a topper, you know, yeah. just so we can right. keep that barrel. Keep like, barrel. keep, keep, keep yeah. Because then, yeah, you hit these 
ultra aged barrels and you go to empty them in the top of your, the top of your barrel and you're just like motherfucker get, get a seal like, right. it was like dripping wax all over it putting little toothpicks in the crevices and yeah. just trying to get it to seal you're cranking up to like 25 psi yeah. like on your regulator to get and it's just thing. trickling through yeah your it's just trickling yeah. and the the, the, yeah. the you know the heads of the barrels are like <clears throat> bulging out and you're like I trust this barrel but uh, what yeah. do I not <laughs> I so the ROI on that is just I don't I don't I don't understand it. It's, it's like is yeah. is it worth it to like have like a stout that is so thick? It's literally like, damn! I've had you know, fucking eighty five thirty that's thinner than this. You know? I don't I can't speak for what Weldworks does because I'm sure that they make a crap ton of. Money I'm not saying just Weldworks. I'm but, saying just a bunch of breweries like that. Uh, I don't know. I always I guess uh, I think we've always looked at um, barrel aged beers as kind of like less of a like it's not how it's not how we keep the lights on that's Des Moines IPA mm-hmm. right right yeah, Barely for sure for sure like a chance to just do something fun you know talking about like how uh like those traditional German styles and whatnot they have like this deep story where barrel age beers also have this cool story that you created right and, 100 110 percent I agree with you there yeah. for sure for sure yeah. and that's actually a very good perspective on that so it's like like when we've you know you're talking about like milkman in a way like that like me talking about like that barley wine. Yeah. So many stouts talking about that. Like it is a story. Right. So, okay. I, I appreciate the romanticism. So maybe <laughs> I just needed that little jolt of uh, perspective there. It's, it's just like, like sometimes you get down to it when they're, yeah. when you're talking about just like raw numbers and you don't have that story about it. You're just 100%. like, well, why the, why the hell are you doing this? Oh, they're, then, they're, I mean, it, they, they are worth it when they come out. Right. right. Oh, but in the, in, in the any time that it's not, it's not worth it. It's taking up space. It is, there is uh, just our time, our payroll. There is the ingredient cost. There's the barrel cost. There's mm-hmm. the barrel rack cost. There is, it's taking up floor space. So that's mm-hmm. rent. Speaking mm-hmm. of space, thank you so much for uh, having, <laughs> for having Lua beer here. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to cover that up. Huh? Is it still on a hut? I thought I saw three empty cakes. No, I no, mean just means, in barrels. He means oh, a barrel. Yeah, absolutely. Which shouldn't be broadcasted. That we yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> Damn. You're You're renting space from us. Yep, we're renting space. That area is part of Lua. It's like it's like an embassy. Also, thanks for thanks for holding a few pallets of the guild's material. Noreen and I are going to be going through that in the next few weeks. No worries. We got you know. We're very thankful we left some space by the bathrooms to expand. Thanks. Oh, thanks for the so, poster. So right before we went on break, there we we were talking about. Uh, Are we back on old dirty Kent? We're back. Dirty Kent. Yeah. Old dirty. Yeah. Kent. So can we yeah. can we Kent. can we talk about Kent this bottle? Kent, hold on. Absolutely. I want I want Pete oh. to to explain what. Throw as much knowledge about this as you can for uh, the confluence guys. Do. About old old dirty Kent. The beer or whatever. Yeah, whatever we're drinking here. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't tell you much. I can tell you <laughs> one of the few things to know about Kent Minendorf is. His log in and bait shop used to be six nine six nine. There we go, <laughs> and I think that's what makes it so dirty. He was uh, he was at Lua the other day with uh, uh, Sarah Jeff. Oh, oh, with Bruno Browning yeah. and uh, and Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson. Oh, wow, the trio. They were going to an Incubus <laughs> Incubus concert, <laughs> yeah. and they were all about ready to leave. And Kent goes, "Give me a ten ounce chug of an IPA." <laughs> I said, "Absolutely, get old, get old, get old. that was a Kent move." Yeah, one hundred percent. So that's the extent of my knowledge about uh, this barley wine here at Confluence. <laughs> tell, yeah, tell us about this uh, beer we poured. So before we do that, we're going to say one more thing. 
Josh reminded me the other day that we used to mix kegs for this thing that involved Bruno and Kent. Yeah. Uh, Kent used to like do the this mix. You know, you guys are doing two poles on a beer, right? Coovies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Coovies, so, yeah. so his was Weather Car Beacon bombs. Red and Capital Gold. Oh, what was it? Weather Beacon Gold. Yeah, Weather Beacon Gold. <laughs> and so was it Heather Burnside used to do pole bending. And that was a pole bender beer that we had way back in the days. Pete, you remember that, don't you? Uh, Heather's pole bender? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's the pole bender? It was Southside was, in Des Moines. We would specially mix oh, kegs really? of... We would half fill a keg and then half fill like, right. the rest of the rest. Yeah. <laughs> it up. yeah. It was awesome. It's so, so much work. For, so, yeah. It's so, really not, but... It's, so that's perspective on Kent, you know. It says, says nothing other than just a little color. Shout out to Kent. Yes. Shout out to Kent. Kent was... Uh, the first seller person we had besides Greg mm. and Andrew. Greg Piash? Greg Greg Schultz oh. who's uh, he's a red uh, beer geek. He is yeah he <laughs> loves red beer and he is uh, infinitely handy with any number of tools. Oh the, my goodness. The pliers that you used tonight were Greg's. So oh. Greg's a partner Thanks, of ours. Good he, taste with Milwaukee. He's the opposite I met of him me. at Cabco. <laughs> so we had this meeting at Cabco when I'm trying to involve investors and we had this kind of low point where it was like, oh my gosh, is this actually going to happen or not? And so I'm downplaying everything that night at Cabco. We're having beers. Mm-hmm. And Greg is like, he hears um, something about, you know, additional investor multi, equity. Multi-red loggers and investors. <laughs> that was way beyond. <laughs> he's like, he approached me. He's like, how about if, if I help you build the brewery mm-hmm. for some additional stake in the company? Wow. And he did it. And he did it. Like he helped me build the brewery and he got additional ownership and it was pretty awesome because I don't know what I was thinking that I could do this myself, but you know, it was whatever. Anyway, we're going back Shout to Shout out Kent. to Greg for creating Eastside Attitude Red Light. <laughs> That's we're right. We're going back to, to Kent. And um, so Kent worked here six years and he told us he wanted to retire and, and do something else. The, the job is just physically demanding and mm-hmm. what he was doing sure. was, you know, Seller work and brewing and um, helping a lot with with spreadsheets and kind of production stuff that, yeah. that Josh now does. But anyway, um, we wanted to brew this beer. This is an English style barley wine, and um, this is right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so we brewed it, and then Kent tells oh us, God. you know what? I think in about thirty days I'm going to be leaving, and. And so at that point, I think it was brewed and in the tank or just about there. And we're like, so. we were trying to come up with a name for it because yeah. we, the previous time we had brewed an English style barley wine was, we named it after a uh, guy that left from the production <laughs> crew. Right. His name is Steven and he went, yeah. moved to Nebraska. Benedict Stevens, so good. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was Commander Stevens barley wine and then the barrel aged version was Benedict Stevens. And then we Ooh. came back and was we Was that the, the, English style or was that the American? No, it was English, but uh, it was while we were still figuring out the whole concept of double mashing. Yeah. So it, we also thought it finished too yeah, high. Right. So we added a bunch of Chinook dry hop into it because we wanted to like kind of oh my God. it up. And, Amazing. And, and uh, that beer still t- turned out really great. But then we'd learned quite a bit. Um, so we came back to brew it again. And we were going to name it after Stephen again, but he didn't get back to us. And then Kent said he was leaving. So it was like, it's a name after Kent. Yeah. I asked him what he wanted it to be called, and he said, Old Dirty Ken. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> One of the best labels, too. Oh, he yeah. looks so regal. Oh, in that. it's so funny. So, you- this particular variant is uh, a double barrel aged 
Uh, so it spent 12 months in Buffalo Trace, and then we uh, picked the two best barrels and racked that uh, into cognac barrels with uh, figs, and that sat for another six to eight months. Oh my! So, it smells so, so good. it's older. It smells, so it smells like candy. Yeah. yeah. Almost. It's, it is. So what's can, the ABV on this one? Uh, it's actually a little <laughs> lower than we anticipated. So I think it's like in it's in the tens. Okay. It's in the tens. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. It's it's not crazy high. I'm looking at this label. Holy shit. <laughs> it's so great. It's like one of those labels, like, or the, the art you can get with your dog. Right. That, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. From exactly. the Renaissance. <laughs> so, another Amazing. shout out. Amazing. Another shout out. 818. They oh. always follow us and they lead us and they, they do a great job of oh, keeping, us, keeping us right where we need to be. So, we, we give them ideas or oh we don't shit. and they it's come up with ideas like and then fated. we. This one, this one, we're pretty happy with. This is a dessert. Are you kidding? This hasn't been released, has it? Yeah, this is one of our anniversary releases. Yeah, dude, that's like, that's literally like if I pureed raisins. (laughs) You're right. I'm not even joking. Like that, literally. I haven't ate raisins. I'm not even. True story. Yesterday morning, I was getting my daughter's lunch ready. And for some reason, my my wife bought one of those eight packs of the raisins. Yeah, the little little ones. Yeah. I go, why the fuck do you buy this? She goes, I don't know, the kids are going to eat it. And so I held up raisins to my four-year-old daughter. I go, do you want raisins in your lunch? She goes, no. And she ran away. And so I opened them up and I ate them. And I'm not even joking. This is exactly what, phenomenal. What's the uh, alcohol on this? It's only in the tens. It's not, it's not super high. It's like, I'm just releasing this. Why am I even drinking it? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Right. This Saturday. This Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. Okay. This is essentially an N.A. beer. Yeah. <laughs> Dessert. Dessert. Finished yeah. below 15 Play Doh. I know. Yeah. Throw it away. I'm sorry, these guys didn't dump it. <laughs> I dumped three out of the four batches I brew. <laughs> so, what's the. Uh, well, before I ask this question, who your guys' website is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. That, that was. A lot of work by a lot of people and not a lot of work by me. But I really enjoy that there's a profile on every employee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Well, I even that's important. I mean, yeah, Becca, Becca put a lot of work together. A ton of great employees here, yeah. too. Great that's, employees here. Yeah. Are. yeah. <laughs> Greg Schultz <laughs> probably has one of the best bios I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do this often on this podcast, but I, I just want to read one more. Alex, we don't do this at all. Excerpt here. Uh, well, we've only had three episodes. Like, who knows what we do on this podcast? <laughs> What's your favorite confluence story? Uh, John and I were building out the brewery, and he was on the phone again with the TTB over our license to brew. And if you know John, he's all about the details, and he had given them everything they asked for, and probably more. But now they wanted additional information. There was a pause. <laughs> <laughs> And then I heard John use language I'd never heard before or since that moment. He must have gotten their attention because the license <laughs> the license came the next week. <laughs> Ifs and ands and buts, you know. Oh all you, yeah. <laughs> I love that you guys do employ buttons. This is so wonderful. <laughs> Greg, here since 2012, guys. Yep. <laughs> I love Greg. Yeah. 
All right, so so he remembered a little bit differently, but you know, it was it was on the he wrote it on. It the, makes for good radio, John. You can't correct the story. You I won't correct the story. Yeah. But off air, you guys will know. You'll edit this out. That it was about a shipment they were supposed to get. I think, and I I can't remember. I think it was related to the jockey box that we we're supposed to build, and like FedEx screwed something up or whatever, and he saw a meltdown. So he called it the meltdown. He put it on the whiteboard that we still use. <laughs> we used it during construction, like, and now we use it for daily tasks. And he was like, "John had a meltdown on this." <laughs> That's one zero days since John's let out. That. That's one that you write in Sharpie, so it just stays right. there forever. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you can edit this out, but that was. Oh man, do. that's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> so I kind of asked it earlier, but what's I mean, where's you guys just cruising here, huh? We're just waiting for year fifteen. You know, it's you, six years you can now. never not grow, right? I, mean, right, I think yeah. it's it's destructive to your company to not have a growth pattern. Um, but ours isn't like probably five years ago. I said, you know, we can grow in a lot of ways, and one way is just brands, right? You can do mm-hmm. lots of different things. You can make more beer. You can, you know, expand your territory, whatever it is. So. I think we're still figuring that out, but I know that our passion is making different things. Mm-hmm. Like we like certain things we've done before, but there's always that like, what if we do this? Or what if we do that? We've heard about this thing that was done three years ago and now we're <laughs> tag on. <to> <laughs> so that was us with hazies. Speaking but, on that, when did this uh, beer a year start? Was that two, three years ago? That was beer a year, beer a week. I remember when Josh, I think he was like Kent was still here and we had done like 46 beers the like the previous year and we Mm -hmm. were looking at the next year and it's like Josh was like, you know, we almost did a beer a week. (laughs) So I'm going to turn it over to Josh. Might as well just keep keep going. going. Yeah, yeah, this is the third full year. Um, So at this point, we're into what would it be? It's like 138 straight weeks with a release. Um, and uh, uh, obviously like... Not new release, not new beers necessarily. Something, something that's been released. It hasn't been released that year, right? So like right. when Blue Corn comes back around the sure. next year, we yeah. count that the week Absolutely. that we bring it out. You know, so like that that like covers some of the gaps. That new yeah. or returning. Yeah, yeah. new yeah. or returning, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's... We hit uh, that first year, we ended up hitting 75, if you count the core for the year. Uh, because, I mean, what happens is you plan out releasing a beer a week, right? And then you're like, well, I want to make this, or like, these people want to do this, or like, well, oh, we have that stuff in that barrel. I didn't think about it. It's time to, you know, yeah. get that. So you, you get past the 52, you get to 75. So we did 75, and at that point, it was just like, well, why wouldn't we try for 100 if we mm-hmm. did 75? Ooh. So we shot for a hundred. Uh, John wouldn't let me tell people that we were shooting for a hundred because he was afraid we wouldn't get there. Well, I think the idea was let's do ninety nine. Ninety nine, one for every county in Iowa. Oh, and then I was like, I I can't spin that wheel. Like, I can't be every county in Iowa and have a story for that. And sure. So so it was like, yeah, we'll do as many beers, but we're not going to tie it to a number. Yeah. So, so that second. Uh, uh, and that was pandemic year. That was 2020. That was uh, uh, 100 beers on the nose, including cores. Um, 
And so we kind of had gotten in the groove uh, through through 2020. And, uh, you know, uh, every about this time every year, I'll just like go around to all the staff. And it's like, what beers do you want to brew that we haven't brewed? Like what what's like hitting your fancy? We'll, like try to make a list and like schedule out like, oh, yep. Like sometimes we don't even know really like we'll it'll just be like the barest sketch of like a beer style and like i'll be like all right i'll <laughs> plug it in over here somewhere and we'll figure it out as we get closer <laughs> to it um but uh yeah so uh picked up steam and this year it was just kind of like we can basically release two beers a week like we can do it for the most part and we pretty much have not counting cores i think we're going to hit like 109 to 110 beers this year Oh. Oh, and I, that's, it's so awesome. And I feel like when you started doing this, it's really when I saw the tap room make its transformation. Um, just what you guys have done with it. Yeah. Um, the art and April of 19, we did a, a remodel of the, like the draft wall basically, which kind of spurred on what else can we do here? But, um, we'd run out of tap space for one thing. So we, I, when we started, we had eight taps and I thought we had a subtle cider tap 16. Well, and a yeah. Settler Cider Tap. Right. R.I.P. <laughs> they're still a they're still a company. It's and not they, the same. They came back. They had seltzers. <laughs> so we had sixteen, and then we bought a kegerator that had six. So it gets us a twenty-two, and it's like this isn't enough. We have backlog beer and blah blah blah. So let's. I was kind of tied to a few things about the original design. I got over that. We blasted out. We had contractors in. We. In a week, we we kind of transformed that wall, and that was huge. That was like, for me, a really big thing because when we opened the tap room, it was kind of like a garage. You know, it's a warehouse. We put a couple walls up. We have some taps, but it's it's basic. Like there is nothing in here for you to look at or do except look at your buddy and have a conversation. <laughs> so that wasn't a bad thing, but I always felt kind of guilty. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have it in me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this mm-hmm. like design thing and make it cool in here. And so we've worked toward that over the last nine years. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's Madden's great. The mural is, is fantastic. That was an awesome. Oh, the mural. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was it. Like the the increase from like seventy five to one hundred, and that like tap room remodel sort of went hand in hand, because at that point in time it was like, oh, we don't have enough taps for all the beer, and then all of a sudden it was, we don't have enough beer for all these taps. Now we're going to keep it up without a pilot system because we have no pilot system. The only real piloting we do is either fifteen barrels at a time or some treated firkins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a little exhausting and it would not be possible if we did not have an amazing production team. And we do have just do. an absolutely incredible production team. <laughs> and uh, yeah. That's what makes it all possible. It's been fun to see the transformation and the best patio for a brewery in Des Moines to sit on. Well, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Your thank patio you. is pretty awesome. It is. <laughs> if I didn't have to deal with it, <laughs> it, it would be pretty good, but uh, I, I'd say you guys are up there. So, <laughs> well, thanks. Right? It's uh, it's nice being on the on the park. It helps quite a bit. Yeah, quiet evenings back there. Yeah, which I don't tend to enjoy. Like I go home, work days. Well, I think so, the, the the first right. time I came out here were was for something, and yes. when I sat down there, and it was uh, it was fun. It was it was, a beautiful, it was late spring, maybe early summer. I still had a long sleeve shirt on, and it was <clears throat> just perfect. And I sat here with you, and I think uh, 
your daughter had just started yeah. bartending here. Yeah, like, right, and, like, yeah. and uh, it was, it was, it was like a very, I don't know. I had a weird summer. I had a weird year. We're all good now, but it was one of those moments that like, I look back on, I'm like, man, that I'll fucking remember that forever because it was like, cheers to you, John, because it was like, it was good conversation because like, I'd known you guys over zoom and phone calls right. and yeah. never really gotten to know you. And we sat there and had a conversation and, shared libations mm-hmm. on this beautiful patio and it was, was like nice the perfect night. weather and like it was just it was honestly like i remember it forever but such a great patio like honestly like oh thank you and but then you like come into like this time of year well in the next two months where you're like yeah <laughs> shit <laughs> we live in iowa, <laughs> it's iowa. Yeah. but man I, yeah it was honestly like, I, I remember walking out and i was just like I walked out and then I looked down and that's what it was is you go out and you're like, Oh, this is a patio. Yeah. And then you look down and you're like, Oh my God. Well, that's all it used to be. It was just, <laughs> yeah, right. it was just a top <laughs> the three picnic tables. Yeah, it was yeah. the top part, right? Yeah. 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 Park their bikes where people drink beer now. Yeah. And then we just keep moving it east. But. I mean, it's a great patio. It's great branding. It's phenomenal beer. Absolutely phenomenal beer. I think I speak for everybody when I say the beers. You're too kind, but thank is you. Is the beer good? Absolutely. You like the beer? Pete, you like the beer? <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> You've been drinking the beer probably the longest. So, Pete, Pete, I Pete do were love you the there beer. when I was delivering kegs on Saturday nights? Some Des Moines IPA. Oh, yeah. 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 Like in 2012, 2013. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Like, I was getting back to Des Moines. Like, if, so. if the beer's not on tap, we're not selling it. So, <laughs> Man, that, that, that takes me back to early temperance days, though, at the same time mm-hmm. where... Um, Josh, myself, or Claudia, and not you, Josh, I, I, other I, I Josh, Josh uh, Gilbert, where literally it was that it was that thing, and we had a distributor too, but it was one of those situations where if it was a real like a prime account, yeah, we didn't care. It'd be like, and they all had our numbers, and I would like I wasn't even I was like uh, I think my title was the production assistant. I would get texts being like. We have half a keg left, and it would be Saturday or Sunday nights, and we'd I'd go to the brewery and grab kegs and take them over there and take pictures and write a note and then send it to our distributor. And <laughs> not sure how legal it was, probably yeah. wasn't, but you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it all got invoiced, I think, yeah. hopefully, but it worked out. You know, it, it, that's what it was at the beginning of the days. It was like we have to be on tap; it has to be pouring. People have to be drinking it for this to work. Yeah. I remember one Saturday night I came in and kegged beer so that we could bring it to a base shop. And I, I got it there by like 10 o'clock and then I was like, I'm going to have a beer. Was Teresa yelling at you as you brought it in too? Or was... <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think she was at that role yet. No, I, no, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. But her husband might have been there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I get the beer delivered and I'm like having a beer and then I start talking to this guy that's from the Ozarks and he's like, you want a brewery? It's like, oh my gosh, you should be in the Ozarks. There needs to be a brewery in the Ozarks. And so for like two years, we text each other every like four months. And I've seen this movie. It's that TV show Ozark, <laughs> where it's all about money laundering. Okay. Good thing you didn't get involved in that shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, my excuse was I don't have the energy because it's Saturday night and I'm kegging beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking so. of El Bait Shop and Confluence. <laughs> I've always appreciated your kegs because they're very distinctive. Yeah. And when you're trying to change a keg, 
Like, there's nothing Which worse than not knowing. But having that, like, blue, like, rubber on it, I'm like, I know that's a confluence keg. I know that's exactly where I'm going. Yeah. So it's always been, I've always loved you guys for that. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. It's stressful. I've been in the Elbate uh, cooler once, and I wanted to puncture my eyes out. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been a month there. Yeah, I took, like, three sixes there, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. It's a tough I'm not thing. doing this again. So, <clears throat> John, Josh. It's been a heck of a night. It has. We really appreciate your time, your hospitality, the beers. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the location. I mean, I mean, look at this room. Did you guys have a? Did you have an employee break room in 2012? We did not. Yeah, you had probably had a folding table somewhere in the corner. Maybe. We were lucky. <laughs> Production didn't even have an office that wasn't just John's office until right. 20. 16, 27. No, well, 20. we had two offices. One was mine, yeah. and the other was everybody else's. Everybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The break room here is the size that, of the Lua yeah. brewery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at Lua, we have a three vessel system, a hot and cold liquor tank, and eight fermenters. So, yeah. <laughs> in well, space. Conveniently, we had tables and chairs in a room called a tap room. So, there you go. Yeah, there you go. It worked, but. Yeah. Well, but honestly, guys, thank you guys so much for uh, thank you. letting us come in here and. Talk beer. And I think this is, at the end of the day, it was just a conversation about beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And about experiences. And uh, that's, a, that's, that's some, what it's about. Some Mars and, and barley wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we kind of yeah. went off track there. And, and that's completely okay. But <laughs> so that's what the editing room's for. I got to say, I haven't had so Which much Which I also time. have no part in. I really don't know what I do here. <laughs> Pete's, Pete's the color. You weren't even on mic when you said that. <laughs> Try again. I forgot what I said. But no, but honestly, you guys, uh, thank you for having us. Um, thank you, you know. for coming. We, yeah, thank you so much. Us on your, on th- your thank you for yeah. being, honestly, a staple. Like James said, I feel like every town has a brewery that they can look up to or call or, oh, you know what? I bet they have a bag of white wheat that yeah. I don't have today or oh I bet they have 250 28 millimeter crowns that I need or 20, 26 millimeter crowns that I need today and uh, I've worked at those breweries and I have now been part of those breweries that need that so thank you guys absolutely I haven't had this much fun talking about beer in a long time and just sharing beers with good fellows yeah. so thank you so much that's going to be it tonight for uh, today tonight tonight yeah whenever this releases Whatever, whenever you're listening to this, this is going to be it for this episode of the Vorlap Hour mm-hmm. over a confluence. By the time it releases, I will have sobered up from this uh, <laughs> dirty Kent. <laughs> Kent will have left. Guys, uh, go follow Confluence Beer on all the social medias. Go to their website, confluencebeer.com. Look at every single one of their. Go to their About tab. Mm-hmm. And then just look at every one of them has a picture. Derek Mayfield, lab technician. Favorite beer is Confluence uh, is Long Ride. So you, you learn that about beer. everybody. Derek is so awesome. <clears throat> My gosh, we are so blessed to have him. He is <laughs> like the smartest person from like ISU area that comes and helps us with our beer. I want everyone He's, that's listening to do their best John Martin cosplay of the from the story section. When he brewed his first beer and tweeted at us, <laughs> tweeted at Confluence Absolutely. too, um, and we're gonna pick the this. best one, yeah, um, and not follow up at all. <laughs> but I'd and love here to see I am him. Just reading John's, what celebrity do people think you look like? Bobby Flay. 
<laughs> what is that? That's what it says. What? Which it says Bobby Flay. People think you look like Bobby oh, Flay. Oh my gosh, my aunt. My Aunt Teresa on my my dad's side. With a beard, like, you do. Yeah. I see no, with the beard, yeah. When I was younger, Bobby Flay and I. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your favorite beer at Confluence? Yeah. You quizzing what, him about I'm himself? You off this. Okay. What would you if you if it was like Christmas night and you needed a beer? Where would you come? What kind of beer would you come again? Yeah, I would get the Ivy. Maybe. All right, there we go. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Good coaching. <laughs>